This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Cara Thistlefire. Hello. And we thought there wasn't going to be anything to talk about this week, listeners. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to change, and probably by the time that you're listening to this, all of the information we've given you has also changed, with new people being added. I mean, who knows, Steve Bruce might be gone this time tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's a, it's a very odd one, because we were talking about the rules beforehand, and then obviously, we'll get into it in more detail, but obviously the piracy issue with be in and be out, which is still clearly pirated, but whatever, has been sorted, in inverted commas. So then, yeah, so somehow a company clearly owned and ran by the government of Saudi Arabia can now own it and own Newcastle without having to face any issues about human rights and their sanctioned assassinations of um, broadcasters. I mean, it is a bit odd. And I can see why Newcastle United fans are very happy. As an outsider, I wouldn't mind at all if it went Newcastle being owned by any billionaire. And I do think, and this goes for every club that's owned, no one gets that amount of money by being an especially nice person. But it does seem a bit like sport washing. And I find it really hard to be happy for Newcastle fans when you know that in the background all this is happening. And I am happy for Newcastle fans. Mike Ashley is gone. Hallelujah. You can burn his effigy <laughs> on the 5th of November. Uh, people can now go and dress as him as Halloween and it not be too on the nose. But yeah, it's a bit it's a bit difficult. It's a bit difficult. Obviously, you know, Chris, your your response is going to be much different to mine, <laughs> being an actual Newcastle fan, because I know then everyone's going to turn around and say, "Oh, you're just bitter and all that jazz." I'm not, you know, by all means, whatever. Someone was going to buy them at some point. So, and anyone has got to be be better than Mike Ashley. But it is a bit, you know, yeah, you got another oil club. <laughs> yeah, who I mean, are worse than the previous oil club? Shall I just say? <laughs> yeah, obviously, this is of course the three hundred and five million pound to take over of Newcastle, which was completed last week by uh, PIF. That's the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. Clearly uh, not owned by Saudi Arabian princes or kings or all that whatever <laughs> jazz. Clearly not owned by that country. Uh, the Bruggen Brothers and, of course, financier Amanda Stabley's PCP Capital Partners. And it, it all happened very quickly, didn't it, last week? As we said, we were discussing... Basically, Sod's Law occurred, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I say, we were discussing the fact that we'd got confirmation that this arbitration was coming up in January, and then all of a sudden, this piracy issue between Saudi Arabia and Qatar is magically resolved. Uh, Saudi Arabia have decided that they are going to allow being sports to be uh, broadcast in their country instead of just you know stealing it. Um, 
Yeah, and and what a difficult decision. Oh, we'll let it be broadcast. All that was it. stumbling block number one. And number two is the Premier League are apparently now satisfied that the PIF is independent from the Saudi state. I would love, and myself <laughs> and many fans and journalists and just about everyone would love to actually see what evidence was presented. I mean, apparently just... legally binding evidence, according to the Premier League's piss poor statement on the matter how this proof has been presented because to put it simply the chairman of the PIF is Saudi's crown prince Mohammed bin Salman but anyway um yeah that's that's apparently uh, no longer an issue and i think it was very telling for me that the piracy was clearly a far bigger stumbling block in the premier league's eyes than human rights issues or concerns, or anything to do with that. Now, I mean, I just want to say, like, I'm not throwing like this stuff out again in in, in a bitter in a bitter way. Being a, a non-true Newcastle fan, I mean, they are technically my second team. I just try not to focus on it sometimes because it's been so depressing recently. I mean, of all the second team, I, I know, but I feel like I kind of have to. <laughs> I, I've definitely got the better end of the deal here, listeners, with second teams. <laughs> um, I mean, it could have been anyone. I mean, no. I'm, to be fair, I'm trying to think of a team that I don't dislike. I like Newcastle. They just don't do well by you. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, the PAF owned the planes that transported his killers. Of, I mean, I'm probably going to murder his name now, and I apologise. Um, in fact, Chris, you best say the name because it feels wrong of me to to to, to murder it. But that that's that's the that's a bad term phrase. <laughs> it feels it feels bad of me to say his name incorrectly. Yeah, this is Jamal Khashoggi, uh, the journalist who had spoken out against Saudi Arabia, who of course was horrifically murdered in Istanbul. Yeah, uh, about three years ago, I believe it was. Yeah, and so they're extraordinarily heavily implicated in this. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a great look, is it, when a takeover of a club is completed and Amnesty International yeah, and, have and, to put out a imploring the Premier League to consider... And this guy's fiancé, this guy's fiancé lives in the UK and he's just, like, what can, you, what can you say about that? And again, I am all for Newcastle getting rid of my cash. I'm all for Newcastle. I didn't, I wouldn't really care who bought them because, as I said... There's lots of people who've got something that isn't particularly nice for, with their owners, don't get me wrong. And I'm sure they're going to put lots of money into Newcastle United, lots of money into the city. Um, and I, I'd hope they do well and do right by the fans. But it really, I didn't know how to feel with all the celebrations that I saw on the telly and then the, the anger that they threw at the minute. Man City do this a lot, Man City fans. Um, and they get really angry if, if anyone brings up anything to do with their owners or how they were before their massive million pound takeover, which is even bigger than Newcastle's. And and it's like, yeah, I, I think I think we all need to take responsibility for the teams that we support and recognise what this actually is and where it comes from. I'm really, really happy that Ashley's gone. I'm really happy that Ashley's gone because he was trash. And he didn't do right by Newcastle at all as a city, as a team, to the fans, all of that. And I really hope that this does. And I can see them putting a lot of money into his, but 
it just hurts a little bit of where that money's coming from. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to, to give my thoughts on it, <clears throat> I have to say, as delighted as I am to see the back of Ashley, and we're, we're going to have a little trip down memory lane mm-hmm. uh, in a few minutes, looking back on all the good times we had with Mike. Um, and we're finished. <laughs> but I have to say, and I know I'm in the minority of Newcastle fans here. I mean, we saw the reaction of the fans, as you say, celebrating outside St. James's Park, uh, some wearing towels on their heads. I, I have to say I was and remain deeply conflicted in terms of my feelings on this whole thing because, I, I, well, I, in some ways I feel like I can't truly enjoy seeing the back of Mike Ashley because because of these human rights concerns. I, I can't just ignore that. I can't ignore where the money has come from. I mean, I've, I've spoke out many times on this podcast and before then I've written articles explaining why we shouldn't be so quick to welcome the Saudis. And as you said, Cara, it, it is 100%. It is sports washing at work. And it's already working. You've, you've got thousands of fans who are already defending them and essentially spreading their propaganda for them on Twitter, just like Man City fans do uh, for Abu Dhabi and defending their ownership. And, yeah, it's it's a really strange one. I'm, I'm you know, the, the as you said, the, they're going to do a lot of objectively good things in terms of investing in the club, investing in the city. I'm sure they'll be creating jobs. You know, there's a, there's a lot of good that can come of this. I mean, you look at Man City's owners and what they've done oh, yeah, no, exactly. for Manchester and for the sort of East London's area around the Etihad. I mean, I think that just, is all great, yeah. but it all comes with this huge caveat of that is the point of sports washing. It's Oh, look, look how great we are. Look at look, look what we've done. Please don't look under the rug where all the murdered journalists are and the public beheadings and the way we treat women and uh, people from the LGBT community. Exactly. And then, well, that's even worse because you've been welcomed by the United Pride LGBT fan group. Everybody now needs to actually step back and take a look at what's happening in general to everything. But let's talk about it specifically to football. Have a look what what is happening to your football club. If it's good, if it's bad, take a look. Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? And if you don't accept the things that are happening in that country, just because they're doing something different in yours, in your town, doesn't mean anything. I think people now need to take a proper look and stand up about what they believe to be true and what they believe to be right and and do some research because nobody actually especially these big corporations and these billionaires, things are hidden and not very well in this case, but nobody's accepting it. Take a look, take a read. And before you make any judgment, actually get some knowledge because ignorance is the problem on all sides. So as soon as you start learning about something, I think everyone needs to take ownership of it. And, and Newcastle fans were trying this way before with actually trying to take ownership of their own club. And I feel that not just Newcastle fans, I think a lot of teams, and I know Manchester United were thinking about it with the Glazers at the moment. Man City fans definitely need to take a long, hard look at themselves as well. 
so do Leicester City fans because this money is not is, is coming from somewhere and that means other people are getting hard done by. I mean, the, the statement that United with Pride put out, oh. beggars belief, to be honest, uh, their argument that somehow owning Newcastle might influence the Saudi Arabian state in a positive it's, way, it's that, that it might improve treatment less. for LGBT people in that country. Let's watch one LGBT person come out, shall we? Pride United. Let's watch one person come out. Yes, well, I mean, we've seen the way Amanda Staveley is being made as the face of this takeover, even though she only owns 10% of the club. She's the only one doing any of the talking. You'll note that the PIF haven't said anything. They haven't faced any questions from the media. And they're not going to. Nor, they're just nor going to hide. Going to. They're going to hide, and they're just going to throw money at the problem. So they're just going to throw and, money, and, again, and everyone's going to be like, oh, yay, that's so great. As I say, it's it's the sports washing in action. And yeah, I'm I'm deeply conflicted by the whole thing. I on the on the pitch, I you know, I, I sometimes I let myself get excited about what might happen. I mean, A, just the fact that anything might happen, which would be an improvement on the last fourteen years. Um, but B, obviously the idea of investment in the team and and the football that we might end up playing and having a manager who isn't Steve Bruce. And then I find myself then feeling guilty for getting excited by that. And that is not the way it should be. You shouldn't feel conflicted about having a new owner of the club. I think that, that's the trouble. Just the mere sense of you being conflicted to your home club means that there must be something pretty big to make you feel that way. Because I'm going to be honest, I didn't really give two hoots when Leicester got bought by uh, King Power. To be honest, I didn't really think anything of it for a long time. Mainly because they've not been the type of, obviously they've invested, but they've not been the type to throw millions and millions and millions at this, you know, like Man City and Chelsea at the time. But that's not to say we've not benefited a huge amount. But in a way, this whole business about the arbitration right from the start has made me start to think about, well, actually, where's it come from? And I, I'm not saying it, that they're, Amazing, but they're also, you know, not not the worst. Uh, you know, it, it's made me question that, and that isn't something that I want to be doing because it's not something you want to think about when you just want to support your yeah, your football club. I shouldn't. On the Saturday I, I shouldn't. Uh, and people say, "Oh, it's not play, you know, sports isn't politics. Sports isn't politics." No, sp- the actual players playing on the pitch. That moment isn't political. However how they get there and who owns you and where that money's come from, well, unfortunately, love, that is political because you don't just grow it on trees. You get it from somewhere. Um, We see it a lot. We see it a lot in our news, and that also gets whitewashed quite a lot Um, with all the the, the papers that have come out about world governments and Tory donors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think we need to all start questioning everything in our society about where this money comes from, because as I say, don't come from nowhere. Yeah, I mean, these people, they, they want people to not question it. That's, that's, that's exactly what they want. They want everyone to be ignorant of, of what they're up to and where it comes from and where it goes. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think we've said, uh, we've said, we've made our feelings clear on the matter. 
Yeah, it's to the bonus of the fact that Ashley is but, gone. But, <laughs> yes, let's, let's reiterate the positives um, on top of the dump truck full of money that is about mm. to be driven into St. James's Park. Exactly. We'll have, uh, yeah, Griezmann player manager uh, with yeah. the on the pitch, just, just, like in, just like he had on Football Manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, How he's always wanted to play for his home club. <laughs> Newcastle United. But, yeah, it is worth reiterating, though, listeners, Mike Ashley is gone. I know. Mike Thank Ashley. Lord, <laughs> Mike Ashley took over the club in 2007. I was 16 years old. That's that's a pretty early age to have all of your hope and hopes and dreams for football completely and utterly drained. First from off, <laughs> they weren't for a long time, and they, and they still weren't. You still kind of hope that you survive. However, you also had the knowledge and the reality of that you probably wouldn't. I mean, I mean it really didn't take long, to be no, honest. No, no. I mean, Ashley presided over two of your six relegations that you suffered in 129 years. Um, he kind of, like, upset a lot of club legends. So, shall I say, alienated. Kevin Keegan, who then successfully sued for constructive dismissal. I'm pretty certain we talked about this when we are doing our all-time 11, yep. including the manager. <laughs> and um, Alan Shearer, after he was renamed... Shearer's bar at St James's Park. I mean, I mean, what a way to uh, stick a finger up, isn't it, to to everybody, to not just the club but the fans as well? Because yep. Shearer is always and Kevin Keegan of all will always be Newcastle. But th- there we go. And oh, and of course, don't forget St James's Park to Sports Direct Arena. I mean, it's got his name plastered everywhere. <laughs> yes, I look forward to was not being just a giant billboard. For that company. No, you're going to be Saudi Arabia ours. We're trying to have the positive moment. Sorry, now. my bad. Let me Stone have this at us. least. <laughs> Let me have this at least. But yes, uh, as we as we reminisce about all the horrific things I've been through for the last 14 years. Um, yeah, that was a particularly humiliating one, the Sports Direct Arena. That was, it was not fun being at university when that happened. I mean, there's been more. And the fact that we owe it to Wonga... <laughs> a payday loans company of all people yeah, who ended to, that. I mean, Jesus real, Christ! Some real bad dodgy sponsors. I mean, lots of people have, but I mean, yours are particularly bad. I mean, you could have been called called Walker's Bowl. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not the worst. <laughs> was pretty terrible. <laughs> it's better than Sports Direct Arena. Um, it could have been Wonka.com. <laughs> well, I remember when when. You know, when we knew that they were going to become the sponsor, and a lot of people were joking, oh, yeah, it's going to be the Wonga Arena. Thankfully, Wonga had the sense. I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm worth to praise them as a company. They're, they're a payday loan company, and I need, I need I say more? They were, but they were pretty they at least They at least had the sense to get some free PR by just changing it back to St. James's Park. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what else? Oh, yeah, there was the appalling treatment of Jonas Gutierrez who, of course, saved us from relegation. And, of course, he was essentially dropped or, read abandoned by the club while he was um, receiving treatment for testicular cancer. He then went on to win a disability discrimination claim against the club. I mean, good God, Newcastle. I know, and he was, he was well-loved as well by Newcastle fans. Eh? Yeah, okay. even, even before he saved us from relegation. Uh, with that winner against West Ham when it when it went down to the final day, I mean, obviously we ended up going down 
uh, not much longer after that anyway, uh, you know, but uh, in, a, in, a, in the following season. But, <laughs> yeah, it's just appalling treatment. And then, and then after all that, for him to then just be told over the phone, infamously, that he wasn't being kept. And then uh, I believe he was with Ryan Taylor and they asked him to just pass the phone over so they could tell him that he wasn't being kept either. I mean, how shoddily run this club has been. Well, I mean, he calls himself a good businessman, right? But, I mean, let, let's go through some of the, some of the others. Um, so as soon as Alan Pardew made Newcastle finish fifth, he was then handed an eight-year contract. An eight-year contract? I know, I know. I can read the numbers. Alex I'm Ferguson. Sure. I know. Never I, had an eight-year contract. I know. Good practice. Right, and then uh, <laughs> Newcastle's commercial income, because this is his favourite, how Newcastle is such a well-run money club and a stable. But their commercial income was £27.6 million in 2007. Um, by 2019, it had risen by a whole 0.1%. That's about the amount of interest that you get on your normal bank. Um, by £27.7 million. Ooh, during which time most other Premier League clubs' commercial income rose by 258%. But he's a great businessman. He's a great businessman, and and he's kept kept sorted. Oh, oh, and then obviously, of course, his net transfer, one hundred and seventy three million, which uh, half came in two thousand and sixteen in the desperate attempt to avoid relegation, uh, and the first year of Mike Ashley's reign. Um, the eight years. Sorry, it's first eight. Um, where he spent a net five point six million on transfers. Now we already discussed how his transfer, uh, how, how how savvy they have been. <laughs> Um, so yeah I mean I'm sure you could go into all the other wonderful managers that he's hired and all the wonderful snap decisions he's made about wonderful people and he's a fantastic businessman and all the stuff he does about you know we've suffered uh, Steve Bruce we've suffered Steve McLaren we've suffered Joe Kinnear Uh, these these numbers, though, are courtesy of football finance expert Kieran Maguire aka Price of Football on Twitter I do recommend following him he's very interesting and he's very good at what he does uh, but yeah, better, just better than us. Just to <laughs> just to yeah, just some of these numbers just really put it in perspective. Another one, which just shows the absolute neglect that he has shown the club, is that between 2011 and 2020, Newcastle spent just 8.3 million pounds on club infrastructure. So that's stuff like the training ground, the stadium, the academy, and also this spending. It, it has to be said, um, is separate from FFP. You can spend as much on the infrastructure of the club as you can, it doesn't affect FFP. Mm. Not like, so, you know, like spending on transfers does. So there's no penalty for spending this money on things that you need I don't, to keep up I don't with. think Newcastle were ever in trouble of finances. <laughs> we spent <laughs> £8 million in that nine years. And again, just to put that in perspective, the next lowest in the Premier League was Norwich City with £25 million, so three times as much. And they were the, the champions. Yep, and again to put it in perspective, Brentford, who literally only just came up this summer, spent fifty million pounds. But we've we've spoken about how how you can see this, how, how the lack of academy players coming through, and the lack of depth, and and the lack of it seems training, and all of that background stuff that we don't see, but you just see the result of. We've spoken about this for however long we've been doing this now, pretty much every time, and uh, I'm seeing the numbers. Just brings it even into more 
of a magnifying glass, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why that's why you do bad, actually. You're not putting money in. You're not training your players. You're not training your academy. You're not getting people through. That's why you yep. poo. As we've said many a time, uh, you know, in, in, in football, this is as true as in any other business. You have to speculate to accumulate. You've got to spend money to make money. Mm. We know Ashley loves making money, but if he really wanted to, you've got to spend a bit. You've got to... And that includes not only on stuff like transfers, but on the infrastructure. Give, give the team good facility, good training facilities. Give the academy some investment. Because as you say, we've, we've not seen that much from the academy. Well, and, and if you improve people's <laughs> wages, and I just mean like genuinely in shops, maybe they'll work better and the shops will do better because people give more of a crap. Anyone who's gone to Sports Direct and asked for a different size shoe knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> and I don't even mean bad for the workers because you know what, you don't get paid enough, guys. You don't get paid enough to put up with customers. You really don't. You deserve more. <laughs> Been there, done that. Didn't buy the t-shirt because they didn't pay me enough to buy one. Speaking of being paid enough, at the time of recording, Steve Bruce does remain manager ahead of the Spurs game after a meeting with Amanda Stavely, and he did take training on Tuesday. However. There are a lot of reports that he is going to be imminently sacked and won't be in charge by the Tottenham game. Which leads to speculation. Woo! Pep Guardiola all the way. <laughs> Which means apparently he could receive a payoff of up to £8 million. Pounds. How long was his contract? Nine years. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's felt like he's been in charge for nine years. I mean, God, I wouldn't mind eight million quid for doing a job as piss poor as Steve Bruce has done for the last couple of years. Really you really shit at my job, though. Just pay me to go away. Do you think it'll be like anywhere <laughs> near eight million? <laughs> we can only dream. But I mean, just, again, just to put it in perspective, ahead of this Tottenham game, and why, if Bruce is sacked, why you shouldn't really feel any sympathy for him, aside from the fact that he's apparently going to get eight million quid, which should eliminate any sympathy anyway. Newcastle have won a grand total of seven of our last 37 games under Steve Bruce. That's effectively an entire Premier League season, seven wins. That that will get you relegated. That is relegation form, 100%. But we, as I say, Newcastle have got Tottenham this weekend. It's at St. James's Park. It's on the telly. The atmosphere is going to be absolutely bouncing. Spurs not having a great season, are they? Um, they did win last time out, 2-1 against Aston Villa. That did end a run of three consecutive league defeats, though. And conceding actually three goals each against Crystal Palace, Chelsea and Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal, come on. Come on, Tottenham. <laughs> I think it's telling as well that you picked out Arsenal there and not Crystal Palace. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Crystal Palace, fair play. <laughs> so They've having a whale of a season, Palace. <laughs> We've we've drawn our last two meetings with Spurs. As I say, I think the atmosphere is going to be the best we've seen at St James's Park for a long time. I'm hoping that that really proper inspires the uh, the players as well. Not only that, but they they must they must know they are now fighting for their own lives in in this team. Yeah. So that to aside, got basically, everyone, to basically everyone aside from Sam Maximan. Yeah, needs to park up. If they want to stay in the club when the spending starts, <laughs> yeah, they they need to start showing that they can actually do a job because, as I say, once the transfers start rolling in, yeah, that's it. 
all the dead wood's going to be out the door. So <laughs> just because Max Man just bidding everyone a tearful farewell, <laughs> not because he's leaving, but because all of the others are. I mean, that's going to be sad in itself, isn't it? It's been it's been so long um, with the same squad for better or for worse, purely because no money's been put in. But you know, Lascelles hasn't been great for a year whatever the reasons are there. And he's been well, Mr. Newcastle. I think a big part of that, as we've said a million times, is Steve Bruce's inability to organise a defence. Well, there's that, but it's, it's, you know what I mean? Like, Almiron, um, Wilson's probably all right. Willock's probably well, Wilson's all right. Wilson's been injured anyway. Hopefully he'll be back in time. At the time of recording, I don't know whether he'll, he will be available mm. for, uh, for the Tottenham game. Uh, hopefully he is because... You're going to need him. I think he's going to be a tight it's, match. It's, it's definitely going to enhance our, our chances. But yeah, we, we've just got to hope that the the atmosphere and Spurs, well, being crap, uh, all sort of goes in our favour and, and whoever's in the dugout, whether it's Steve Bruce or whether it's just Graham Jones filling in. Told you, pet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to wait and see, but... Or... Oh, God, <laughs> we'll we'll cross that toxic bridge when we come to it. You know it's gonna happen. You know he's like he's like a little shark into water waiting for money, and then he's like, <laughs> "We're gonna get Jose, aren't we?" Yeah. When he inevitably gets sapped at Roma because it's once again exploded in a toxic shower of, of Mourinho. Of Mourinho. You, you know he's gonna be there. He's got a history with Sir Bobby. Come on. You know he's going to be there. He's going to play to it. All the fans are going to be like, yay, wearing no Mourinho masks. And then within a month, everyone's going to be like, oh, hey, Mourinho. He's crap. Oh, Mourinho. It happens every time. Guys, can we just learn? He has not evolved with the times. <laughs> Leave him alone. You know he's going to come. I'm going to hate it. And you're going to hate it. I mean, at least your defence will be half decent. Everyone else will be shit this time. <laughs> well, at least when Jose inevitably rocks up in a year or two's time. He'll deflect from Saudi Arabia. They're definitely going to get him. 100% because he will like deflect everything. <laughs> All I can say is when he does, his record at St. James's Park better improve because right now his record is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's safe to say that it's going to be some interesting times on Tyneside. It also means when, when transfer season happens, we actually have shit to talk about. Yeah, it's going to be very strange, isn't I it? I know, yeah. We'll be able to talk about actual transfers not just loans actual transfers it might happen before deadline day (laughs) yeah well we've got that to look forward to in January in the meantime we do need to pick up some points because otherwise we're going to end up going down which honestly even I would probably find slightly funny at this point I mean it it would be it's going to be hard because what you've got to wait until January now for any form of transfers that's the thing. Not many big players no matter, in January. No matter, no matter how much of a spending spree we go on in then, we need to get some points on the board before then. You've got to work with what you've got, and that means you're going to have to pretty much revamp your entire training team. Um, whatever it is that's wrong there, something needs to change. And I think basically from the ground up, you've got to work. Yeah, well, again, that is why Steve Bruce is almost certainly going to go, and it, his departure can't come soon enough uh, for me. But. No, no. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because we all need a little bit of positivity. <laughs> this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. Thank you. Thank you, listeners.
Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.